Okay, morning everybody. Uh, So if you'd like to open your Bibles to Luke 10, um, we'll be reading that in a second. Uh, This morning we're going to go back to um, where Rachel left us two weeks ago, um, looking at Mary and Martha. Um, So she, at the time, gave us um, one perspective, looking um, at where this story sits in the wider picture of um, Jesus' ministry. It's quite a small um, little snippet. It's only four verses. Um, But I'm going to try and give us a slightly different perspective, um, really trying to look at the, um, the heart of this encounter. And I want you to remember the word heart. So... As I try and read and unpack this message, I would like you to try and imagine yourself there in the room. What do you see and what do you hear and how does that make you feel? As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So when I was a child, like most children, uh, there was nothing I hated more than having to tidy up the playroom. Um, Even less so because the playroom was also my younger sister's bedroom. Um, So as far as I could see, it was her problem, not mine. Um, So in order to motivate us, um, our mum used to try and play a game with us that the Queen was coming. um, So the whole room had to be spotless. Um, so she created there was cupboards with labels and shelves and drawers and everything had to a place to to go Um, and the job wasn't done until the room was hoovered and dusted and then she would come and have to inspect it and, and check that it was fit for a queen Well, of course, we knew the Queen wasn't really coming. Um, But the idea of always feeling like I have to make things perfect um, and presentable when visitors come has always stuck with me. Um, And you'll know if I consider you a friend rather than a visitor because you'll see the state of our house. I always joke when friends come over that there's only one room in in our downstairs that's tidy at a time, the lounge, the kitchen or the dining room. You only ever get one that's tidy. Um, So, in this story, we see Martha making all the preparations um, in order to host her special guest, which is Jesus. Um, At this point, we know Jesus is already well into his ministry. Um, He's been traveling around, performing miracles, um, telling his parables, doing lots of teaching. Um, So, we know that he's quite well known at this point. Um, So for anyone having the honour of hosting Jesus, this very famous man, with his disciples is absolutely immense. Just put yourself there for a second and imagine that Jesus is coming to your house. 
Martha has opened her home, her personal space. So how welcome and comfortable and at ease that Jesus and the other guests feel is a direct result of Martha's hard work. The food that's there, the space, the atmosphere, it's all down to her. That pressure she must feel. So this passage doesn't explicitly tell us what's going on in Martha's mind at the time. In fact, you know, I said put yourself in the room there because it's hard to try and imagine exactly the feelings that are going on. But yes, I want us to go back and imagine being there. We know culturally it'd be the women's job to carry out all the household tasks. So essentially, Martha is doing exactly what would be expected of her at the time. However, I can't help but think that what is driving her might just be more than this duty. Could it be that she wants to um, impress Jesus specifically? Um, Or maybe that she's trying to seek praise for her hard work? We don't really know, but we can kind of think of some of the reasons that might be driving her specifically. What we do know is the passage says she's busy with many things. But looking at this, I don't think she has any bad intentions with this busyness distracting her from Jesus. She's only doing what is is her natural instinct to do in um, hosting Jesus and his disciples. She is distracted, but I don't think she's deliberately focusing on the wrong things. Well, whilst we can't be sure exactly what her thoughts were, um, we can look at some of her emotions. So I want us to look at verse 41. Mary and the disciples in the room may not have picked up on what Jesus... Sorry. Mary, the disciples and other in the room may not have picked up on it and how she feels, but Jesus certainly does. He knows exactly what is going on with her. He has seen how she feels. Before she even says anything, Jesus is there with her. Now, please excuse my pronunciation, but the Greek word merimnau, translated here as anxious, is the same one that is used over and over again in Matthew 6, um, where Andrew preached to us a few weeks ago about worry. Um, If you haven't listened to that, it'd be great on the back of what I'm saying now to go back and listen to what Andrew has to say there as well. This word is about showing concern and caring for something. We know that she's anxious and troubled. And again, please excuse my pronunciation. Um, The Greek word used for troubled is thorobeo. This word is used in the New Testament in various places to actually describe uproar and disturbance and panic. We can see how she's feeling then from that word. Mary's left her to do all the work and put yourself in Martha's position. She has well and truly had it. She is frustrated. She's at the end of her tether. And I'm sure we've all had that experience before, probably several times. You feel like nothing, nobody's helping you. And it's just, that's it. That's it. I'm right at the end of my tether. That's it. I'm off. 
Martha doesn't try and subtly give Mary a dishcloth or a prune and sort of prompt her to say, come on, off we go. No, the message, um, which is not a direct Bible translation, um, but it is great at painting the picture of different stories. And in here, it literally says Martha interrupted Jesus. That's the kind of picture that we've got here. She actually gives Jesus a command, tell her to help me. Well, I think if, if I was standing next to Jesus, I'm not sure that I would be telling him what to do or, or giving him a command. Surely Jesus wants everything to be ready for the guests. Doesn't he care? Does he not see that she's got all this work on herself, carrying this burden? Why should Mary be sat round while Martha is doing all the hard work? At this point, my Bible starts a new paragraph. Martha, Martha. I love the way Jesus addresses her, saying her name twice. To me, there's something quite special about that. We already know that whilst Mary, whilst Martha might not realise it, Jesus knows exactly what is going on with her in that moment. He's now about to show his love and care and deep concern for her directly and calmly and straight to her heart. Jesus could have told her off for fussing too much and not stopping to listening to his teaching, but Martha was only doing what was expected of her and what needed to be done. Instead, he meets her frustration and stress and busyness with calm, peace and focus. Let's just think about that for a moment. When I'm frustrated that my car won't start and I bring that to Jesus, he will respond by giving me calmness. When I'm stressed about giving an important presentation or speaking in church and I bring this to Jesus, he will respond and give me peace. When I'm busy making everything perfect for leading a Sunday service or, or um, house group or Sunday school, and I bring this to Jesus, he will respond and give me focus on what is important. You see, focus is that one thing that Mary has got right. Poor old Martha has prioritized her many things above listening to Jesus. What she saw as the number one thing on her to-do list was not what Jesus tells her was the right thing. She'd missed the mark. Because Jesus and Jesus alone is what she should have been spending her efforts on. Listening, adoring. Now, I don't for one second think that um, what I'm trying to say here is we should all give up on work and daily life um, and just spend 24 hours a day um, in deep reflection and prayer. Quite the opposite. There are many places in the Bible um, that say implicitly and explicitly that work is a good thing. And we do have daily life with housework, shopping, running around after children, going to work, seeing friends and family, um, a whole host of things. And these things do need to be done. 
And in church, we really need to see people serving tea, running children's groups, doing the admin, planning services. There are things that need to be done. But remember the word heart. Well, here it is. Where is your heart in the things you do? When I say that, I mean, what is your true desire? What are your true intentions and motivation? Proverbs 3, verse 6 says, In everything you do, put God first, and he will direct you and crown your efforts with success. And in Colossians 3, verse 2, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. I was challenged by this a few years ago. Um, I was in the music team here at church. I was also involved in the youth group. Um, I was involved in volunteering for two other charities, trying to run a household, also having a full-time job, um, about to become a mum, lots and lots and lots of things. But I think at the time, if I'm honest, a lot of that busyness was just out of control. Some of it was just trying to be helpful and um, fulfill empty gaps in rotors. Some of it was potentially to look good in helping and and being visible in what I was doing. Um, And some of it, to be honest, was a distraction from what I knew I should probably have been doing instead. Well, God metaphorically snapped me out of that. My many things were overcrowding my one thing, which is my relationship with Jesus. I wasn't fully giving him my heart, and he wasn't fully in the center of my life. If you think about it as a meal, Jesus really should have been my main course and not my bread on the side. So as I come to the end, I want to look back at our passage today. The way I see it, When Martha welcomed Jesus into her home, she let him into her private, personal place. And all she needed to do, that one thing, was to sit and listen to him. When we welcome Jesus into our own lives and hearts, we need to be ready to be present with him. To be engaged focused, and to make everything we do about him. So what does this mean in practice? Well, as I said before, uh, for most of us, that doesn't mean getting up and spending 12 hours in deep prayer reflection and then going to bed. (laughs) So um, I actually spoke to some of my Christian friends throughout the week, and I asked them to tell me a bit about what it is they do um, to be with God. Bear with me. It's always when you need something to come up, it doesn't. (laughs) Um, So, this person said, I try to think that in all I do, I want Christ to be known and not my character to be the stumbling block. So I try to imagine what would happen if I'm caught doing or acting in a way that does not reflect Christ. Would it put someone off the kingdom of God? But also in the mundane, I know that worship exists. I long to deliver my best day to day as I worship God in my spreadsheets, washing the dishes and cleaning up after my family. 
um, another person I spoke to, uh, the first thing they said was that it's difficult. (laughs) Um, I tried to start the day with reading the Bible and committing the day to Jesus. And when I start to feel overwhelmed in something, I remind myself to stop and let Jesus in. I pray about the small things and expect God to be interested in everything. And then someone uh, very briefly said that they refocus regularly by praying, helpfully reminding with their prayer mate app. There are lots of different ways that you can um, use your own quiet time, but also your own little reminders um, whilst you're busy. I would also at this point remind you that um, as a church, a lot of us have been going through a short series called Be Still. Um, And if you'd like details of that, I think there are still some... um, You can contact the office or you can contact Peter. It's something that I've been doing with a friend. We're about halfway through and it gives you um, some tools about um, how you can connect with God in the everyday. Um, The one that I particularly like we've done so far is about wonder and about seeing God in everything that is around us. So I'm just going to invite the musicians back on stage. How can we respond this morning? If you feel comfortable, I'd like you to just close your eyes now. I want us to be like Martha for a moment. What are your many things? What is distracting you? What is making you tired, burned out, wiped out, physically, emotionally, and spiritually? What is getting in the way of you being present with Jesus? I want you to bring that to him now. Tell him how things are for you. And remember... He knows you by name. Martha, Martha. Hannah, Hannah. Rachel, Rachel. Andrew, Andrew.